0: Off-premise is clearly important because the consumer is changing. Unlocking the door at 11 o'clock and hoping people will find a way in just doesn't work anymore. Doing catering is not a project. Doing catering is a way of life. Ten years ago, it was fairly simple and straightforward to run a restaurant. Today, it is very, very complicated.
1: Welcome, everyone, to episode five of the Takeout, Delivery, and Catering Show. I'm your host, Valerie Killifer, and with me is my esteemed co host, Earl Dardick. Earl, how are you today?
0: Val, today's a great day. I've been thinking about takeout, delivery, catering, channel differentiation. We're going to talk about the differentiation between the channels in terms of the subtleties of not just the products, but the consumer experience as well as the operator experience as it relates to order fulfillment and how to get those orders out the door and talk about the dynamics. And uh, I'm really excited about today.
1: I am too. And I'm, I'm very excited about our guest, Trudy Jones, who is the director of alternative platforms for Red Robin Restaurants. Um, but before we bring in Trudy Earl, let's lay out the foundation of why it's important to think about takeout and catering as two separate channels of the business.
0: That's great. Val. Well, I think everybody understands primarily that it is now a separate channel, but I want to talk about the reasons why we have to be so specific in the way that we're managing the conversation strategically. Uh, in our companies, as we as we start thinking about the segmentation of our markets, because that's really what's happening. And so you have a consumer who wants to spend more money with you. We've been talking about this on several podcasts Val, over the over the the last several weeks. But the 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 the, the strategy that lays deep in the differentiation. Uh, between not only the consumer preferences and what it is they want to buy when they want to buy it, but in fact, you have to design your programs, uh, that are very specific to those buying habits as, and then that the next layer of connection happens in the workflow. And so it's the, it's the business operations of these channels is really the challenge for restaurant and food service operators. Now, if you think back in the history of restaurants, they were never designed for this multi-channel type of business. And so you have all these sales streams that are coming into restaurants. uh, You have marketplaces, you have takeout, uh, you have catering orders, and the the product differentiation and the packaging. And we're going to talk to Trudy about all of this today because it's just so important to understand the amount of work that is happening in the background of these organizations uh, is substantial. This is a lot of heavy lifting. There's a lot of work that has to happen to really make sure you create these incredibly uh, world-class experiences so you can execute in every channel flawlessly every single time. And so that's today.
1: Okay. Well, let's bring Trudy in now. Welcome, Trudy. Hi. Thanks, Val. Sure. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Hello, Earl.
0: Hello, Trudy.
1: Good. So for our audience, Trudy, you bring over 20-plus years of expertise in off-premise sales – menu and operational strategy, guest services programs, call center architecture, and operations. So currently, you create and implement Red Robins' new catering program as the director of alternative platforms. So one of my questions is, what does it mean exactly to be the director of alternative platforms?
2: Well, I, I think I think it means that you uh, you have a lot of different things that keep you up at night, right? Um, and it's it's looking at this, uh, this this huge system of you know over 400 restaurants that you are you know exactly what you said, Earl. How do you take an existing restaurant and that infrastructure and that legacy item, and then layer into it all of these competing priorities? And and in addition to that, how do you help the team members make a paradigm shift in their thinking? And um, you know, I'm now asking you to not focus on just one thing but many. And so it it is um, a huge undertaking, um, but one that's definitely fun. And you have to be very very focused on the different the different needs of each channel. Yeah.
1: Uh, So Trudy, what came first, takeout or catering, for? Red Robin and how did you, and if they both sort of were ramping up simultaneously, how did you kind of separate them and, and figure out how to manage them both moving forward? Well, the
2: the to-go portion came on um, about three to four months before catering. Um, and, and what happened is, is, is Red Robin had not been in this space at all. And so started really kind of doing the takeout and testing it and how does it work. And and uh, what levers do we pull? And, and as they started looking and moving into catering, they realized that this is, this is very different. And so that's when I came in um, to really you know, build and talk about the differences and, and what do we do. And, and it was really that first year was such a, a test for Red Robin in general and how do things go. So we were building simultaneously, but quietly. We started um, the to go in the to go space about three to four months um, prior to catering and really testing it out. And as Red Robins got into that space and started looking at catering, it became evident how different the two channels were and the expertise required um, in the different channels and, and how to build that. So that's when I came in. And so while we really grew to go and, and call center and those different items, we were quietly um, sort of testing and building catering behind that and beginning to have those conversations with the operators and getting them engaged and, and helping them to understand. So that first year was really about testing a lot of different, you know, packaging and, and things like that. And so now we're, we're in this phase with catering where it is really um, top of mind and the number one initiative to go, we are optimizing that. And catering, we are now in that optimized and maximized phase. And how do we, um, how do we change and, and grow and, and get better?
0: Wonderful. Trudy, I have a question for you as as you're talking about that. So in this new paradigm, as you know, you're coming out of many years, uh, you know, as an expert in this space. I mean, you're an incredible leader when it comes certainly for the Mm -hmm. catering channel, incredible amount of experience. And you are now experiencing this expansion into an off premise perspective, meaning that, in fact, the catering expert actually has the expertise to help shape the takeout and delivery channel. And I'm so curious about that because the learning curve, uh, it's amazing how they've come together. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. And then thank you for the kind words, Earl. Um, it, it, it is an interesting um, conundrum, right? The, the beauty though that we have currently is that the catering and, and when those orders come in kind of begin to offset the time that uh, those takeout orders to go orders come in. So right now, Um, It it works very nicely. Right. And and with catering and those operations, I also have some, you know, ability to expand and do prep the day before. And I sort of know what's coming in and I know what um, what I what I'm going to to prepare with to go. That is sort of just this. I am in the middle of a huge lunch or a huge dinner and suddenly I look up and I have 16 orders that are going to be picked up. And how do I begin to layer those within um, you know just that that dinner hour and lunch hour so it becomes it's really not so much that catering and to go are competing to go is really competing with that in-restaurant experience. Right, 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 um, right. yeah but then catering begins to compete with all of the opening duties in the morning, right? So
0: right, 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 it can right,
2: be, right. be a challenge.
0: Yeah, so as you get into the differentiation, uh, I guess, Val, you probably have some questions you want to ask Trudy's, but um, I'm just curious to know that uh, in terms of the operations, in terms of your organization internally, uh, you being the leader, uh, have have you been able to align all the key stakeholders on your perspective, or is that still uh, ongoing work, or still kind of feels, uh, I mean, obviously, there's always work to do on this, but what is your sense of that?
2: You know, I, I think um, we've been very, um, very grateful that uh, the leadership here at Red Robin has been just, just incredible and, and Off-Premise is really, you know, number one initiative for us. Right. And, nice. And yeah, having that leadership, as you well know, Earl, is, it is key to being successful.
0: Absolutely. So you're getting the resources and attention you need to do the work that you need to do. Wonderful. Yep.
2: yep. Yeah. It's yep. been Great.
0: Great.
1: Yeah. So, so Trudy, as you were talking, I was wondering as you're doing the <clears throat> preparing the catering orders. Even though I know you said you could do some the day before, how do how do those compete with what's happening on make line? Do you have separate areas for like catering orders versus takeout and and in store, and, and what does that look like? Yeah, we do
2: not. So, so everything comes out of the same kitchen, uh, which is definitely challenging. But great operators that have figured out, you know, how do I, as as I'm, if if I'm making 300 burgers for catering, but I've also got in restaurant guests and these to go, um, it's really looking at your line differently. And how do you, how do you step into that line, start making your catering and then pull out of it? Ah, uh, when you've got in restaurant and to go competing for those things. and right. it's it's about being prepared, right? It's about knowing what is everything I can do the day before and making sure that you do that, even if it's down to getting all your setups together in one place for one catering order, um marking you know the packaging that goes out.
0: right. right. And of course, Trudy, I mean, I'm making a huge assumption here, but I think, uh... Uh, If I think about the programs, takeout versus catering, or as you call it, to-go versus catering, uh, because it's made off the same equipment and the same kitchens, often with the same people, We've already identified the order dynamics are different in that actually the catering orders are out earlier and if you're really organized and really prepared properly, you can actually do both, which is what makes it so amazing. But what's really interesting, I think, is that you've got a very differentiated menu, correct? So I think that to compensate for the fact that it's made out of the same place because the current business model is you're doing it out of your existing restaurants – uh, you've basically made adjustments to your catering menu versus your takeout menu. They're different, aren't they?
2: They they are a bit different. Um, you know, in the in the takeout menu, you can get anything you can get in a restaurant, right? Because for right. takeout, whether whether I'm putting it on a plate or or in a in a box, it's it's kind of the same setup. A um, little bit different challenges with temp and things like that. But uh, for for that catering, you really have to look at your audience and and those things come in you know we have got we've got your burgers but we've got them you know 10 in a box there for you with all the condiments on this side so everything is coming in bulk whether it's a platter of sandwiches wraps um anything like that but we have really one of the things we did do um Earl was in order to help the operators really make a pretty, you know, an easier leap into this was to try and keep our core recipes and our our core Mm -hmm. items on the catering menu, simply move them into bulk so that um, at this point operators were not trying to learn entirely new recipes.
0: But you shifted the you shifted the packaging and you've yep. shifted the uh the product that you sell in catering is a burger bar, for example, primarily or you try to as much as you can, yep. versus, you know, versus give me a burger with cheddar cheese and uh smoked bacon, apple with smoked bacon and you know, customized yep. burgers, really, right? Isn't that isn't that true?
2: Yes, now the beauty of, of Red Robin yep. is we've been able to with that burger bar, right. you can go to that burger bar and still pick out whatever burger you love the most in right. restaurants.
0: Well, I can tell you, I've had that burger bar, and it's amazing, let me tell you. I, I actually I experienced it, and I have to say the execution was uh, was beautiful, a beautiful thing to watch. And, um, you know, no doubt you guys are setting the trend, and certainly in, well, for many restaurants, of course, but uh, certainly in the burger segment, I think you guys are positioned to really, really, really um, – do great with with both channels. So it brings me to a question, though, and I know, Val, we may or may not be going to this answer, but it brings me to the takeout channel. If we just talk about that for a second in terms of the takeout channel, which right now, and the statement was, everything you can get in-store, you can get through takeout. And uh, we're starting to see some trend in other segments where, in fact, when it comes to third-party delivery, which is basically a takeout order, um... And it's coming through a marketplace and hitting the restaurant that, in fact, they're starting to publish uh, segmented menus just for that marketplace. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's I'm getting really excited about that because what's happening is the marketplaces are finally starting to adjust, it seems, where they can go to a company like Red Robin and say, hey, you know what, just give us your top six items and we'll Mm -hmm. come and deliver it for you. And it just makes it easier on your restaurant operations um, I don't know if you guys are playing with that or not, but you know, I wonder if you have some perspective on that idea.
2: Yeah, I think it is an interesting idea, um, especially if you begin to look at you know, regionally what sells um, higher in one region than it does in the other, and yeah, can you really. adjust that and pull those triggers, which I think right. is, is a, a very interesting idea um, and certainly something to explore.
0: Right. So like a limited, you know, LTO, like that kind of concept on, on the uh, third party marketplaces. That's kind of a cool idea. I like that. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I,
2: and, I think there's a lot that you can do. And I, and I think as we, you know, continue to um, all work our way together down this path of of third party in these marketplaces, I, I think we'll we'll end up at the end of the day with some very unique options and partnerships yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah, so, Trudy, because uh, Earl mentioned packaging earlier, and I kind of wanted to go back to that point. Like, what is your approach to packaging in regard to each? Like, I know we talk about the burger bar, but what does that packaging look like as compared to what I might get if I order something, if I order a burger uh, for pickup or to go? Well,
2: your, for catering, your burger bar, it's, it's going to be in bulk, right? So a minimum of 10, um, and it comes in a beautifully branded box. Uh, that's easy to carry and then another box with all your condiments right there on this side as opposed to if I'm doing takeout for 10 then I'm going to have 10 individual boxes with you know everybody's order that's different and and come in a, a bag and you know it's very critical as we've looked at packaging and gone through several iterations with um, with the takeout is You know, what what is the packaging that that um, really hugs the food and and keeps it, you know, the temp that you hope once it leaves that restaurant, you kind of lose control over it for takeout and you don't know what folks do. But um, they're a little bit more forgiving, I think. So if you can hold that temp and get a box that hugs it and, and keeps it nice. And that's that's really been kind of one of the goals.
0: Nice. You know, I I was thinking, uh, as you were saying that, I had a chat with a gentleman this week in the UK who's an expert in this uh, delivery space in the UK. Mm -hmm. And he said that for many, many years, Marks and Spencer has uh, uh, made incredible, uh, you know, basically meal kits and, you know, home home meal replacements. And people are accustomed in the UK to heating up their food. Mm -hmm. So he was saying that people did not mind getting McDonald's to Uber at room temperature or uh, and then reheating it, which I thought was super interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure I don't think in catering that would work because there, there's another difference, right? It's like can you imagine if you dropped off a catering order and said to the admin assistant, Can you reheat this? Yeah, Sometimes no. maybe. <laughs> right? Can you imagine?
2: No. It would be impossible. I think you're right. We would not have retention, would we? No.
0: Well, I mean, the odd person might be willing, but boy, oh, boy. Right. So, I mean, there's an example of, again, channel differentiation, a difference in the consumer behavior, the way people think about it, the way they want to buy it are completely different. Yeah. And, you know, it brings me to a question, Val. I don't know if you're going to ask this one, but packaging, you know, to me has always been huge. That is the brand mm-hmm. uh, in, in the catering channel. I mean, it's, it's big in takeout, of course, as well. I mean, it is everywhere really now, but um, but catering, the vessels you choose, um, the message you put on those vessels, it's on a boardroom table, what it looks like, how it presents, uh, does it get oil stains, you know, all those questions are the things you need to pay attention to to create a, uh, you know, a really, you know, world-class experience, which mm-hmm. which I think is the magic. So packaging is huge, but I do have a question about call center. Yeah. Uh, In in terms of centralizing, uh, now this is again yet another difference. Although, uh, you know, we certainly work with companies that have call centers and centralize not only their their catering orders but also their takeout orders. But we'll do. We'll maybe talk about that on on another episode. But primarily as a catering call center, uh, the 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 concept there. You know, yet again another difference between the channels. is you know you need to have a catering specialist who can slow down with the customer, talk to them on the phone. They might be placing ten orders. Maybe they're about to spend five thousand dollars with you. Um, you know, they're, to your point where orders come in advance. At least with catering, you can do some planning. You know, there's there's proposals and quotes and all those subtleties that run in the back end of these uh, these you know sometimes what is a phone call. And uh, would love to hear your perspective on decentralized operations versus centralized operations. In other words, do you letting franchisees take their own orders versus centralizing it uh, and, and the control that it gives the brand and what the results maybe are in terms of the, uh, the value proposition. So the, not only does the experience get better, but in fact sales go up and operators make more money because Mm -hmm. they can focus.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, and I think the the focus is a word, right? That's what you really want to think about is what, what do I want every person focusing on? And so if I want operators focusing on flawless execution and being on time and order accuracy, then, you know, throwing in a curveball now of you've got to answer that phone. And as you grow your business, then certainly the phone rings more. Um, so you you lose that synergy of, of just really focused on execution. I think when you're when you are um, decentralized. Now there is certainly the tipping point, right? Is when, when does it make financial sense for me yes. to centralize? And so those are some of the things that, you know, as a franchise, these look at it and they're, you know, maybe a smaller source store set and things like that. There are those questions that have to come into play, but, huh. From an operational standpoint, um, you know, even, you know, we have centralized our, our takeout uh, calls. So even even that is just, you know, I talked about competing priorities. And so if you don't have it centralized, now you added another competing priority, and that's right. to answer that phone. So mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah i think it's i think you know and as as technology moves it's you know i find it so fascinating not just in the restaurant space but in the call center space of all the technology yeah, that's coming right. in and just the levers that we can pull and really even begin to decrease those costs as well for ourselves and and hopefully pull the right triggers on margins because that's yeah, well, at the end of the day okay. that's what we're all trying to do right <laughs>
0: Absolutely. But I, I, you know, technology is moving along in food service. It's still, you know, it's, it's, it's been a many years in motion. There's a lot of great companies doing a lot of great work, as you know, and yeah. uh, it's, it's, the, you know, there, there's there, there's partnerships that are forming, there's consolidation that's happening. Um, and so you have to be very forward looking uh, when you're thinking about technology in the, in the food service space, as you build this, this really, this technology blueprint, which we covered with Mo on another episode, which was a super fascinating episode um, which is, you know, having technology for all these parts, which is all part of the differentiation process. Because, uh, as we just pointed out, you need to have uh, people answering phones for catering orders. Uh, where it begins and ends is critical in the process, and a lot of people are just, you know, trying to drive takeout business just online. And of course, you know, when you deal with third-party marketplaces that are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right. everybody's ask, asking the same question: going, "Well, we have a new partner in our business." Uh, then we start thinking about segmenting menus, different products, raising prices. Um, you know, we'll eventually get there as a community, you know, eventually. And, um, it'll, it'll be, uh, you know, more automated and restaurants will be more automated. But, you know, I find it interesting, uh, you know, just back to an earlier statement you made, which was, you know, where do you make the analysis of centralizing these calls or not? Mm -hmm. Um, which I would argue, you know, we need to be careful because that's like saying, you know, would you open a restaurant without putting an oven in, you know, it's right. kind of like that. So the, 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 some things are investment based. In other words, the business model requires it and that's the most efficient operating model. And so you have to build to that, which means, yep, yeah, you got to spend some money to put that infrastructure in and you're going to lose money for a while until you can get sales to catch up. Um, that's, that's part of doing business. Every franchisee holds that responsibility to, uh, to invest back in, right? That's the whole thing. Yep. So,
2: yeah, I so think you know. I'm sorry, Earl. I think the the beauty of it is is you know I think we have to make the point. You know, we all think on this sort of super large scale and these super large. Um, call centers and and there are many partners out there that are smaller in the space that that fit right so yeah. so if you're a franchisee with them um, you know a handful of restaurants there are great call centers and great products for you that that fit that model too and then yeah. you can grow as you get bigger
0: yeah and also you know as an independent Trudy, you know i was an independent operator yeah the con- the concepts are what's important because a call center at an independent operator level could mean that you just have someone in your office in the back answering the calls you just have right. a catering right it's just it's it's scalable whether you have one or whether you have 500 restaurants the concepts are the same the pillars are the same the investments are the same the characteristics and behaviors that you're putting into this organization it just happens that you're, you're trying to scale it which you know mm-hmm. that's a whole other I'd love to ask you you know a lot of questions about the political landscape how you manage the franchisees and <laughs> I can only yeah. imagine what what your day looks like every day every day.
2: <laughs> we could have a, a lot of these episodes Earl probably yeah, I, listen,
0: <laughs> I, I hope they're bowing down to you today <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, you know I'm, I'm pretty sure not but <laughs> okay, okay, so I'm gonna interject here because what I want Trudy to expand a little bit because Earl, you were talking about technology. How do you even go about? As an operator with so much technology out there, figuring out what, that, what your technology set looks like, not only for call centers, but for order management, um, driver management for each delivery in, or for each takeout and catering.
2: Yes. Well, that, that is a, a $64 million question, everybody. <laughs> get at. It's, it's a very <laughs> and sobering it is, question. It's very sobering. <laughs> and, and when you can get it all to work together, then, you know, you just wake up every day and thank somebody um, for it. So, you know, it's, I think there there are very specific things that you look for um, and, and for catering, it is, And I don't know how you feel about this, Earl, but in my mind, the the most critical piece for an operator is that production. So,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, have I have I chosen a system that um, an operator can say, yes, I have 10 orders today and I can easily look and see what I need to prepare and not have to do a bunch of math for it. Right. Um, So really for catering, I think it's it's about choosing a system that that is 90 percent about running your catering business and the other 10 percent is that great online order experience
0: yeah.
2: right so yeah. so for catering i think that's it now now take out it's it's different it's about that online ordering experience because again those are individual orders coming in just like you're in restaurant um and they, they sort of you know make their way in and and you do that, so it's more about the customer experience at that point. I think that that's about ninety percent of, of takeout online ordering.
0: I don't know. Would you agree with that? Or yeah, no. Listen, I think you understand it well, but I think ultimately all of it is important. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't. I, I think online catering is also very important as we're seeing success with, you know, third-party you know companies that are yeah. you know they're driving a ton of business to their website. So I think there's always work to do there. But I think ultimately to Trudy's point, we know that flawless execution is key to success in the catering channel. Like a hundred percent. And if you, if you digest it and you dissect it, you'll understand that it's that way because these are high value, high risk orders. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, an average average catering customer might might spend $20,000 with your brand. They're spending a lot more money. There's a lot more stress behind these transactions. And so, and we've identified that the production cycle, the way that you manufacture and fulfill in this differentiated channel from your takeout business, uh, is, it's its own business. It just it needs its own systems yeah. that match your workflow so that you can manufacture and get yeah, orders out the true. door. But that's all connected to your billing and your tax exemption yep. and your customer. It it, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge conversation. It's an, it, it sounds like an easy conversation, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the big differences. So I think... Uh, Everybody's trying to figure out where where is that client record reside and that whole design and blueprint. Right. And, you know, again, if you, you know, um, everybody's fighting for that perspective, including the uh, business intelligence systems and, you know, everybody, you know, POS systems, it's all competing. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to watch. But uh, I do agree, Trudy, completely. And to the point, again, um There's another point of differentiation in in, in the case where, you know, you've got a digital ordering system for your takeout business and you've got a digital ordering system for your catering business and you have a point of sale system for your in-store and you have a cloud-based, you have a cloud-based catering solution for your catering business. So that's, there's more differences, right?
1: Yeah. And if you're doing all of this well, you're capturing that, that customer data. Which brings us into marketing. So, do you do you have different marketing messages for each of those your takeout and catering customers, and how do you dif- differentiate who orders the most for which service?
2: Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, we are definitely, you know, taking a, a very um, integrated marketing approach uh, with our catering and and with our to go, and and how do you play those off of one another and. You know, what, what business to consumer um, event is a better play in the takeout space versus the catering space? Um, and, you know, for business to business, you know, as we all know, catering is, is a hefty player in that space. Um, I think, you know, uniquely so, Red Robin really has such a great opportunity um, in B2C. And, and I think I'm very excited about that and seeing, seeing what, what triggers we pull there. But it is definitely looking at at your concept and and who you are to people and, and what what events play out well, because some events won't play out well um, for, you know, one concept, but yet very well for another. So.
0: Right. Right.
1: You just have to look at what, what you offer
0: and who you are. Right. Right. Leadership. Yeah. Yep. Strategy. Excellent.
1: It all ties back to that first part. Right. It really it does. does. I, I agree completely.
0: Yep. Great story.
1: Super. Yeah. I bet that's, that's uh, music to Earl's ears. (laughs) Well, I just,
0: you know, it it should be to everybody's ears, Val, because ultimately, (laughs) you know, uh, look, I don't know what to say. Look, I've, you know, the five pillars, you know, leadership, you can see, you know, even in a conversation with Trudy, just the differences in terms of as an organization, how connected aligned they are that they're, you know, it's number one initiative. Of course it is. It's a huge opportunity that uh, requires an incredible amount of focus and commitment and, and resources and you have to be unwavering. And because uh, if somebody, if there's any doubt or tentativeness that the brand can succeed with catering, it might as well not do it. It's over, you know, so it takes that kind of heavy lifting. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, I'm going, you know, you know, way to go, Trudy. I mean, good for you, you know, so
1: great yeah. job. And it definitely takes that, that type of commitment. I know from a lot of the brands that we've talked about, and a lot of the ones that we've seen over the years, the ones that are most successful have that absolutely high level of commitment. Like, to it. I can
0: tell you, I'm not in, I'm not involved in the details, but I can tell you, I can only imagine that in you know in these board meetings they are talking about catering all the time. It's just it's what needs, it's mm-hmm. what needs to be happening, and uh, I'm so impressed by this leadership team, and uh, wish them all the best and. Really looking forward to seeing the results on what their off-premise program looks like 24, you know, 12, 24 months up. It's going to be incredible. Yes. I'm very excited too. <laughs> I can't wait to see the, te- they, hey, Trudy, have they started television ads for catering yet or no? So the
2: spots should be coming out very soon. So I'm very excited Yeah, about there you that. go.
0: Yep. Hey, hey, Val, oh, that's hey fantastic. Val, if you go read my book somewhere in there, I think like, what, 10 years ago? <laughs> I said, when you see the television ads, you'll know. There you go. Yeah. Yep, it's that, that's it's commitment, right? Yeah, that, that was my that was my that's my only one I'm going to say on the on the on the show. But uh, that's very exciting, Shri. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's just uh, what a what a phenomenal gift you gave everybody. Thank you for that. Yeah,
1: fantastic conversation. We are going to be seeing you also uh, June nineteenth in Denver. Our at our symposium where you are going to be participating on a panel for us about the same topic.
2: Yes. I can't wait. Uh, last year was such a, a great time and uh, really enjoyed it. So I, I hope that um, a lot of others come out as well. So I can't wait to see you guys in Denver. Okay. So I, I will welcome you here.
0: Thank you. We bring out some Red Robin uh, team members. We'd love to have them. So, You bet. Excellent.
2: Thank you, Trudy. Thank you guys so much. It was great talking with you.